So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back, and it's episode 75 of the Running Rugby Podcast. That's right, the big 7-5. Almost up to triple digits, boys. Um, I'm Archie, your host, joined by Toby and Leo, and we're having a look at round four, Super Rugby. Um, some big games over the weekend. We are taking our deep dive this week into the South African Conference, um, into the SAC, uh, having a look at the Stormers and Hags, but... Before we get into some of the other scores and into that game in particular, the big news on every Australian's uh, lips is the fact that, look, one, the Reds got their first win of the season, absolutely annihilating the Sunwolves, 64-5. But maybe even bigger news, the Brumbies have won in New Zealand for the first time in six years, I believe, and against the Chiefs in Waikato for the first time in about 13 years as they went over there and took down one of the undefeated teams in Super Rugby, 26-14. to 14. So, boys, I don't want to delve too much into these games, but obviously great effort from the boys. What are some of your takeaways um, for the teams or for specific players in these? I'm, I'm stoked with these results. Uh, we did talk briefly about um, Brummies and Chiefs, and, and our expectations weren't too high. We didn't want to get ahead of ourselves. But I, I remember we made the point that this was going to be a pivotal moment in their season and we'd probably look back on this game one way or the other. And uh, and I'll tell you what, they've set themselves up well. They've, they're clearly at the top of the conference and, and breaking some of their, their hoodoos over there in New Zealand. And I'm just thankful also that the Reds have, have got their first home game in the bag, in the books, Archie, and have put put a huge number of points out there on the Sunwolves. This is clearly a two-tier uh, structure forming in this Australian conference than the Reds who've had the injury woe early with with Jordan Patea and uh, had to had to reassemble their backline a bit and look James O'Connell looks great at fly half and I'm really impressed with the aggression and the strength in defence from from Hamish Stewart and then alongside him Hunter Paisami who's just you know taken that Samu Karevi ball ball running direct roll on. And it's just absolutely smashing guys. So as a midfield pairing, that was a standout for me. These guys have had a couple of good games now. And uh, it's, it's a good combination developing. We've had a lot of change in the midfield of the Reds in the last little while. And if they can lock that bit down, everything else is looking very solid. I might just add to that and say that I've been surprised and also, I guess, impressed by James O'Connor. I just think that, you know, we've seen him play 10 before in a big series against the Lions after Robbie Deans picked him out of the blue there. But I thought his days as a 10 were gone. I thought that, you know, the fact he played last year at 13 um, and the fact we think he's, you know, more purely a 12, um, we were so unlikely, I thought, to have seen him at 10 this year with the competition with Hegarty, Isaac Lucas, Hamish Stewart. You know, the fourth person in line we would have thought would have been James O'Connor. But now he's really making a case if he keeps playing like this and keeps getting selected there by Brad Thorne that 
with the Wallabies jerseys so up in the air, it could be his to to grab if um if they're not willing to go with more junior guys like Noel Alessio and or someone that we think may be out of position, Matt Tamua. And even better, uh, I guess, finding him comfortable in the ten position gives them that senior guy in a in a fly half role, which is saying. Uh, aside from the Rebels, I guess the Australian teams were lacking coming into the season. But that's only possible because guys like Hamish Stewart have, have now stepped up and are holding their own at 12. Um, and I didn't mention before, but great game out of Jock Campbell coming out of fullback, uh, creating space and also breaking breaking those counter-attacking runs off and just having a whale of a game. Like That's that's awesome to see a young guy just taking taking the ball up himself backing his skills and and coming away with it and lots of support around him to create some points. Yeah, and it's a far cry from this Reds team that we talked about last year that were struggling to score points. Like they, We always talked about how aggressive and how good they were um, up close at the set piece, defence really strong, but they didn't seem to be able to put more than 20 points on the board for a single week. And yeah, it's exactly down to some of those um, players you've already mentioned, James O'Connor, Paisami, Jock Campbell who I think is, like, people were comparing Isaac Lucas to sort of Damian McKenzie as being that slippery sort of slight guy. Jock Campbell's showing it. I mean, he did it last week of a, against the Hags, and, like, you could say that the Sunwolves are probably a slightly easier defensive team, but, I mean, he can only play what's in front of him, and he showed really what he can do. Um, you put that together, and it's a really nice showing out of the Reds, and it's putting a bit of faith back into what Brad Thorne's been building there for a couple of years. I always had the faith, Sarge. Always had the faith. <laughs> and 20 points is actually their minimum so far this season. So they're, they're well above last year's average. Um, 20 points, the least they've scored in three away games and 64 at home. That's huge. Yeah. And special mention in the Brumbies as well, like starting that fast and absolutely bowling over the Chiefs early in the game, you know, um, credit to them. And in particular, Pete Sarmo really stood up. Like, here's a guy that was playing out of his skin in Super Rugby end of last year, didn't make any of the Wallabies squads, and has obviously gone away in the off-season, worked even harder. He looks even a bit bigger and looks very comfortable at number eight. And there's a guy that Dave Rennie's got to be looking at and penciling into um, his Wallabies squad early on already in, in 2020. The only other person I'd like to mention as well, Arch, is Tom Banks. Just, I think, the amount of confidence he's playing with at the moment, really taking the the line on, knowing when to kind of make his runs, but also with those deft passes, um, linking up really well with um, uh, Lolesio there at 10. So Banks has got to be the favourite, I think, thus far for the 15 jersey. We've seen some decent form out of DHP, but... Tom Banks, I think he's the Wallabies fullback in waiting. Curtly? Curtly still not? The people keep talking and commentators keep talking about it being a two-horse race and they don't seem to remember that KB was the, well, I, the reigning I fullback. I think KB, because of his utility across the back line, you know, originally when someone wasn't putting their hand up for the 10 position, they were still thinking, well, Curtly could be picked there. Curtly can play 12. Um, he's great off the bench as well. I don't know. I don't think he's actually put in the performances at all to justify being in the conversation yet. I absolutely agree. And I think we could be approaching what I I think I talked about last year is what my ideal 23 structure was. And a guy like Curtly Beal being a bench player, he's got a lot of utility. 
He's not necessarily someone you need to start the game, but you bring him on late when people are tired. He's got that sort of free, free-flowing, counter-attacking uh, skill set that it just suits late in the game to me, and, and you're not building your entire start-of-game attack around him. So the fact that he's getting moved around so much in the last couple of years, is it's kind of diluting the 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 perspective on him being a 12 or being a 15 or being a 10. These other guys are standing up doing it every week and they're going to have combinations in successful teams. And I think what we tend to see is with Kirtley, particularly when there's a long Wallaby season, that he does have a pretty condensed pre-season into Super Rugby, which does mean that maybe his fitness is a little bit down, his form's a little bit down early on in the season. And then when it gets close to these Wallabies fixtures, he tends to pick up his game. Mm. Um is a lot more present on the field and hits his straps probably come April, May. So a bit of a slow starter and I, I think we're seeing the same thing this year after the World Cup and quite a long season for him last year. So um, don't write him off yet, I guess. But at the moment, I definitely think that if we're picking on form, he's at, at least the third in line. Fair enough. Before we get into any of the other games, I will just mention the running rugby pod pool. Um, had another big win from James Tarrant, um, the Tarantula. Took nine points in this round. Um, some great tipping from him. We still have yet to have anyone get the Grand Slam point and tipping all all games, but um, well done to him. Um, remember, you guys can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Running Rugby Podcast and at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, keep an eye on what's going on in in the socials, in the news, and keep up to date with the pod pool as well. So other games we had this round, uh, we started off with the Crusaders on Friday night um, hosting the Highlanders, 33 points to 13, a convincing win from the Crusaders, um, very much as steady as she goes. Um, nice nice sort of re- recovery So from them having two weeks ago lost to the Chiefs, now beating the Blues and the Highlanders convincingly. The Rebels up in there in Ballarat suffered some late injuries with Tamua and Reese Hodge both going out with groin injuries. Uh, Tamua potentially back this week, but Hodge out for several weeks, it looks like. And they went down to a Sharks team that looked pretty polished, really. Um, 36-24, to 24, uh, Makazola Mopimpi with two tries. Could have had a third, but gave it off to Bosch in the in goal for his 50th. Um, we've mentioned the Brumbies taking down the Chiefs and the Reds taking down the Sunwolves. Uh, this... Bulls went down in a last-ditch effort um, against the Blues. So, Terry Black coming in, getting his first start for the Blues this year, and he kicks a 80th or 81st-minute penalty goal to win the game 23-21. to um, Special shout-out to the Bulls, though. They managed to score um, their first try of the season, and it was none other than Mornay Stain um, who got them over the line. So, he, he'd had all their points of the season up until the... 71st minute of this game uh, when John Dre um, Rudolph crossed the line for their second try. And the Blues Arch, they've played all three of their number, or prospective number 10s there in the starting lineup. Black at 10, Plummer at 12, and Parafetter at 15. So a bit of a strange team from them, but they got the result. Yeah, I guess they, they knew that this was going to be a heavily kicking territory type game uh, playing against Mornay Stain, but yeah, a bit of a strange lineup. I'm not sure you'll see that um, come out again when they verse the Stormers next week. Um, but let's get into our game, um, our deep dive of the round, and that's the Stormers hosting the Haguaros. 
the Stormers, still the only undefeated team um, in Super Rugby. They took this game 17-7 to in what started off at a very wet and slippery day down there in Cape Town. Um, the Haguar is wearing uh, what I can only describe as a tequila sunrise jersey um, going on. <laughs> um, they looked very pretty, but a bit of a different um, team, the Hags, lined up here. And it was a low-scoring game, 3-0 at the halftime. And then, obviously, the Hags um, couldn't actually get on the board up until the 66th minute. Um, as I said, 17-7 final here. And a real grind in the first half. Um, obviously, the Stormers were strong, and they actually managed to hold out the Hags for the 10 minutes that Francis Mahoba was off with a yellow card. Um, look, pretty weak this yellow is pretty card, even. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Look, but we know what the standard is for, for the yeah. uh, cards at it's the moment. It's almost a head clash, yeah. really. I mean, I don't know. It's, yeah. If you slowed down lots of ruck or people picking and driving, you'd see about um, five or <laughs> to ten of those a game anyway. But, yeah, continue, Leah. Yeah, I'd, we know we know it's the effort to clamp down and it's probably applied, um, if anything, too sporadically. Uh, and, and, yeah, I don't think this affected anything too much. Obviously, the, the Stormers kept strong, maintained good possession in the first half, just, just kept the ball away from the Hags. And they really had to fight back late in the game. Obviously, that try, as you said, Arch, coming in the 66th minute. Um, and the Hags are a good team. We've seen them put on some points. They've got a very dynamic set of backs, very experienced group of forwards. So um, Storm is definitely showing their class through this game. Uh, to be honest, there wasn't anything I thought that was too big a standout from either side. I think the, the Stormers just had a bit of momentum. The, the forwards were crossing the game line. Uh, they could move the ball. Not not you know not big gains, but just steadily um, building the phases and and just keeping the territory game under control. Uh, and then in defence, they they did a really good job containing the the dynamic backs out of the Haguaras. So uh, it was more of a game of attrition this one, and a very important one for the Stormers to to win to get right up the top of the competition now. And I think the Jags. What struck me is just that. They tend to go on tour at least once or twice, and they're playing a team that's not full strength. And I know that overall their squad depth is is good, um, and it may be a situation that they're trying to fit or get these guys some game time at certain points in the season. But um, hard to see whether doing that against the Stormers is the right option, given they're the only, well, they one of the only undefeated teams, and now they're the only undefeated team, I think. Mm. So they're. Strong, strong, um, strong showing from the Stormers, but overall, Jags just—I think they're lacking a bit of cohesion there. A lot of guys on the bench that I think should have been starting. And well, I almost um, wonder if this was a tactic, like knowing the Stormers are going to be their main competition, because they they put a completely new front row together. They didn't have like you saw all these names coming on, like you're saying on the bench: Guido Petty, uh, Marcus Kramer. Yeah. Like Mateus Moroni in the centres as well, like Montoya coming on hooker. Yeah, like they all came on, and then like like their scrum was getting hammered, and then they come on and they start getting a bit of go forward, get a few penalties. I wonder if it was yeah. a bit of bit of gamesmanship, and maybe maybe because these guys play again in two weeks um, back in Buenos Aires. Well, I mean, possibly, and I think 
we might have seen this from the before, actually, or maybe not this team, but another team that, you know, you pick a game that you're least likely to win and just give the guys some game time. Mm. Pick the first game on tour. Um, Bulls are next week, obviously, a lesser opponent. And then you'll catch the Sharks coming back off their tour. So maybe they have identified this as the game to do it. But in saying that, I struggle to see whether that really has too much merit. I think given the season, um, given the way their travel schedule is, I would just be playing my full-strength team and trying to get as many wins as possible. I think if they're able to get home field advantage leading into the finals, um, that's huge. And the Stormers are going to be looking like your number one competition for that. So I, I probably would have approached it differently, but... I think this did actually play a part in the game. They just didn't look as structured as the Stormers. Mm. Um, and like you said, Arch, when they bought some of these um, probably more well-renowned starters on, um, it changed the game a little bit in that second half. In terms of the Stormers, we know, obviously, they've got a uh, pack and backline, really, that's pretty chock-a-full of international players. Um, really, their front row is just going to continue to be um, a strength with Kitsoff, Malherba, Francois Lowe coming on there. Um, they have Bombanambi coming back from injury at some point. They have Peter Steph to toit there in the back row. They'll get to Khaleesi back, so they're going to get harsher there. I think probably, I mean, the most exciting thing about this team, and we didn't get to see it too much just because of the weather and playing a bit more of the territory game, but Herschel Yangtze's and Damien Willemsar, these guys have to be looked at as I reckon must be the, the future of the spring box um, as a 9-10 combo. Like, they're so dynamic, they're really fast and quick, and they're always looking to um, find that extra gap and accelerate into a gap or put someone through or put that little cheeky grubber through. Especially Herschel Yankees, he's just an excitement machine to watch. Yeah, I think so too. And interesting that the two guys that are standing out for Super Rugby, for the Sharks and Stormers, both the guys that have spent some time at fullback, um, they're both relatively young and they're highly touted for the future, even though there's Andre Pollard obviously there. He's playing overseas now, but um, Yangtze's definitely, like we've seen it a little bit already from him at, at the highest level. Um, but yeah, I think if you have those pivots performing well, when Willemsa first came into Super Rugby, he wasn't the full product. He wasn't polished. But now no. I think he's really taken that leap. And he's gotten there by spending some time behind some other players and, and spending a bit of time in, in fullback. It was a late last season. He was mostly playing fullback, a yeah. bit of space, maybe a little bit of outside channel uh, responsibility as, as sort of a second pivot, but not having the, the full weight of the team on him at, at 10. So... Possibly he's developed well. Just that, that's given him a bridge to this ten position. Now that he does have the full responsibility for the team, and and as you said, the combination with Herschel Yanchis is is going really well. Like that's that's so so great to see that developing. At the same time, those two young players, similar age, and and they're definitely going to feature for the Stormers for a long time if they if they hang around if they don't get uh, soaked up into the European competition at some point. Um, they'll be dynamic Springboks for, for years to come. I don't know if I'll um, fear them quite as much as as some of the bigger guys and some of the 
masters like Andre Pollard last year was just a superstar. But um, it's it's kind of nice seeing the generational change, not just in the Australian side, seeing it in the South African sides, and then you know you wonder how electric these games will be when we get to the Tri Nations. Mm. And the, I mean, the Stormers have a pretty well to put. Well, I think well put together backline with Jamie Roberts, particularly there holding it down at twelve. Um, I just don't know in terms of injuries if they a few of those guys went down. I wonder whether they'd struggle with their depth across the backs, but um, plenty of guys there in the forwards that are standing up, lesser names as well. But obviously, Peter Steph to toy, what a superstar. And you've still got Sia Khaleesi to come back into this team. I think they can only get better, um, and it's such a great start to the season for them. I think I think that's something that all teams would, would suffer at the moment, though, with the transition we've had post-World Cup. There's a lot of teams that are a little bit thin on depth. Um, so, you know, you cross your fingers. You don't want to see anyone getting injured, something like Jordan Patea getting knocked out for the season is never a nice thing, whether it's your team or another team. I uh, want to see these guys given as much opportunity as they can, make sure the Tri-Nations and, and other internationals are as exciting as possible. Well, I mean, that's brings us to the real question, if you're worried about depth. Obviously, Hags are probably the one team that do have the depth to cope with some injuries. Um I know I picked them to repeat and get back to the Super Rugby final this year. What do we think now, four weeks in, who's going to take down the South African Conference? Is it going to be the Stormers, or will the Haguaros still manage to pip them with, with the home games? I think the Stormers are still probably my favourite, particularly like the, the Haguaros in the past have toured pretty well. So I guess they always they always keep themselves up the table whether they're home or away. The Stormers only have to go on that one really long trip um, over to Buenos Aires. Like they're they're not going to do as much back and forth playing around in the South African Conference. Their only competition might be the Sharks, but I, I would think that they'll um, lift for that game when it comes. Uh, I, I think the Stormers will comfortably hold the top of that conference. I think that the top three for each conference are. And maybe the Crusaders on on the New Zealand side, like they're they're the clearly uh, consistent dominant performers thus far, and I expected to stay that way. I just think the Sharks are probably a, a dark horse there still because of how well they've toured this time around. Like if they beat the Reds this week, that's three out of four games won on tour, which is massive. Um, given then they get such a home, like a long stretch of home games or relatively close games at back in South Africa. So um, Stormers, like, I do think they're a great team, but are they at the highest level? Are they at the elite level yet? Probably not. Jags probably have some growing to do, and I think the Sharks may just improve, and you'd see that dynamic shift later on in the season. But it's definitely a three-horse race. I can't see the, the Lions or the Bulls really being too much of a threat this year. Who have you got, Arch? If I'm on the Stormers and Toby's on the Sharks? I'm still on the Haguaros, and I think, like you say, the Sharks toured well, but the Hags, we've seen them go off and win sort of four games on a, on the trot, despite being in New Zealand and versing some of the these harder teams. If they, um, if they put their best 15 on the park, I think, I think they would have won this game if they had their best 15 on the park. Um, they suffered a lot early on just through inadequacies at the set piece. I think you'll 
you'll see them hit the second half of this season and they'll be able to play their full-strength team and I reckon they'll, they'll manage to take that home field advantage into the playoffs. We've got their tour. I'm just having a look. They've got four games consecutively on tour. They start with the Brumbies, move on to the Blues, then the Crusaders, and then the Sunwolves. So two out of four, quite difficult, and the other two probably pretty manageable for them. Um, so probably a, a pass mark for them would be three out of four, the same as the Sharks. So I think they probably need to do that. Well, too. you're already giving the Sharks the win next week versus the Reds. I'll take you uh, on that. Yeah, well, I'm actually, yeah, I'd probably take the Reds, to be honest. Okay, two out of four. Three out of four is a good result. And comparing tour schedules, you've got the Stormers who play a few games at home, play Sharks and, and the Hagiwaras away. But when they go on tour, they're going to play the Chiefs, the Crusaders, the Brumbies and the Sunwolves in that order. So that's a huge tour. Like that's probably, you know, that's three out of the top four, five, six teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, Crusaders are rubbish, themselves. but the rest of them are tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the Sunwolves. That that's the sort of dicey game you probably don't want at the end of a tour. If everyone's a bit tired, looking forward mm. to getting home, maybe you're a bit beat up. Maybe you've had some injuries. Yeah, you, you put. You might even play some of your depth, and yeah. then the Sunwolves are this surprise package, which. You know, they'll probably lay low through the season, surprise a couple of teams, and that's a risky game. So I, I don't see any of those as sure things, um, I guess, looking forward. There's, that's going to have a big impact on their ability to hold that top spot in retrospect. So are you sticking with the Stormers then, Leo? I will stick that? with them because, yeah, because South Africa, like I said, they've got a core of these Springbok players. Again, if they don't suffer injuries, those guys went on tour. They, you know, drew with the All Blacks in New Zealand. They've been on tour for the World Cup in Japan and, and taken that home. So I, I think they'll have enough seasoned vets that the travel won't be a problem. But they're coming up against the best of the best in this competition. So um, certainly certainly they'll be uh, seeing that as a pretty tough slog. They'll need to win all their home games to make sure they're still in contention if they do lose a couple of away games. Mm-hmm. Now, before we go on to the next round coming up this weekend for Super Rugby, let's look north to the Six Nations. Um, We had round three on the weekend and a few results that go as we'd expect. um, I'm devastated. I didn't tip the French and I should have. I was weak. Someone tipped the French. Someone did. (sighs) Yeah. So just, just to show that you guys would be just as bad um, in tipping if we did the Six Nations as well as Super Rugby. But um, we had Scotland take down Italy 17-0. We were incorrect. Parise wasn't playing in this game. Uh, You're right, it will be in the versus the English in a couple of weeks. Um, But the big surprise package, Wales 23 going down to France 27. The French quick starting. Um, getting capitalising on some early sort of turnovers and getting a couple of early tries there. And, yeah, they just stunned the Welsh a little bit early on in this game and managed to hold on despite a bit of a fight back. Um, so France remained the only undefeated team in this game, in this um, tournament, because England took down Ireland in Twickenham as well, 24-12, and a bit of a clinical display. Eddie Jones trying to put some of his um, critics to to silence um, with this one. There's a fairly 
fairly um, evident that England were the better team throughout. Yeah, and yes. he, what did Eddie say? He said um, they could have declared at halftime. Yeah, so he used the cricket getting metaphor. Up to his, yeah, he loves his cricket, but I just yeah, he he knows how to rub people the wrong way. I tell you that because although England were dominant here, I just think Ireland is still a good team, and it's a bit disrespectful to be saying those kind of things. But that's Eddie's style, and I think once he gets a sniff of the fact that they could still win this title, um, it's still quite possible. I just think that he's he's feeling good again after a pretty sloppy start against France. What was it, three, four weeks ago? Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing France finish strong here. They've got, what, a home game against Ireland and an away game against Scotland. Maybe That's in right. the opposite, opposite order. order. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, this is their chance. Um, we talked about them being, you know, young and fresh. Dynamic. They've done the hard yards, beating Wales at home. Uh, if they can, if they can hold on the rest of the season, get the Grand Slam again. Another team that's going through a, a regeneration, uh, a lot of change. Not necessarily focusing on depth, just making sure that they're playing their best young players and and trying to get as many wins on the board early. Yeah, exactly. Um, that next round isn't for another two weeks, so we won't uh, talk too much about it yet. Um, let's go to round five of Super Rugby, and um, we start off with the Highlanders hosting the Melbourne Rebels, the one-win Melbourne Rebels, but um, we'll see if the injuries have continued for this team. Tamua is expected to be back for this one, but what do you boys expect out of Forsyth Bar? A loss to the Rebels. <laughs> We, you said it uh, earlier, Arch, or maybe it was before we actually started recording. Is this team better with Matt Tamua at 10? I'm, I'm no. not sure. I, I thought Deegan played exceptionally well. Because yeah. um, he's a number 10, not a number 12. Yeah, but he's not a bench me. player. He's, you're right. He seemed to unlock the outside backs a bit more. You saw Corabidi was streaking through. He put him through an awesome gap for their first try. Um Campbell Magnay was a late withdrawal and Tom English came back into this team. I think Tom English is just a stalwart and I'd I'd definitely have him in my back line because I think he's just a hard-nosed player and he will defend hard and he'll do the hard yards that what you want um, if you're in a bind. And if you're not running all over a team, he's exactly the player you want. Good experience combination with Bill Meeks too. Um, while Meeks hasn't been as, as stellar, as early last year's form, I think that's a good combination that gives them some understanding and, and keeps the defensive line strong. But these Highlanders, I, I don't see a path for the Storm. Oh, sorry, the Rebels to win, not the Melbourne Storm. Um, the Highlanders <laughs> at home and and the Rebels as, as weak as they've looked this season, I, I I think the Highlanders will have this one comfortably. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. And I think the Rebels will probably put up a bit of a fight here, as they did at times against the Sharks. But over there, it is um, it is a difficult place to play sometimes under the roof. Um, and yeah, I just don't think they found their flow yet, the Rebels. There's been quite a few changes to their lineup week to week. And yeah, just quite a few issues, I think, across the park there. And as we keep talking about, Matt Tamua, can he step up? Can he control the back line? Does he keep his spot there or do they rearrange the back back line do they think about putting tomorrow at 12 giving billy meeks a rest i don't know i mean 
there's a lot of questions to be answered there, I think. Um, and what will Dave Vessels do next? But Highlanders for me, and I think it'll be a bit of a tussle, but more pain for the Rebels. Yeah, it's looking that way. Um, have a keep having a look out for Nareki, the Highlanders winger. Um, he's been showing a good good bit of form the last couple of weeks. Had a couple of good tries, um, and um, he's looking a bit dangerous. So I expect a little bit more from him as well. Um, moving on, we have the. Um, the Waratahs hosting the Lions out at Bank West. Waratahs obviously coming off their bye. The only winless team in Super Rugby. Um, hang on. Sorry. Yeah, one of no, two. One of two. The Bulls have also not won a game. Um, though it's an easy to forget about that. But hosting Lions, obviously not the Lions team of old. Um, they don't have quite as much um, venom as they have had in previous years. But with the likes of Elton Yanks, he's... Marnus Schumann around the rucks. Um, it's going to be a tough one for the Tars to take this one. And it's not really feeling like they're, they're going to be able to put together a performance to, to beat the Lions on 80 minutes. Well, I think they have to. I mean, the, the Lions are coming off a bye, which is one thing, I guess, with the travel. That will help them manage that. So they'll be a bit fresher. I mean, the, the Waratahs um, also a off a bye. But I, yeah, I don't know if that's... I guess I did say last week it's probably coming at a good time. We'll have to see. Are they going to come out rusty? Um, I'm I'm questioning what kind of crowd's going to be there at Bankwest. I hope people actually turn up. The Lions are not the team they used to be, but can trouble teams at certain places around the park. And um, mate, the, the Waratahs have to win this game. I think it's going to spell a lot of unrest in that camp if they go down again. Um, and I'm going to pick them, I think. I'm going to pick them by five. I am um, just looking at the recent history. So the Waratahs haven't beat the Lions since round 14, 2014. Uh, in that time, they've played four away games uh, and one at home. And that was that 2018 shock, 29 to nil loss, which I think blew us all away when the Lions were looking pretty weak. And then they came into Allianz mm. and... And held the Waratahs to zero. Yeah. So, look, the recent history is not, not something that we should lean on too hard. I'm a bit concerned that the week off, well, I don't know enough about Rob Penny yet, whether he's the sort of guy who's going to mix it up after three fairly disappointing weeks. Is this buy going to be a, a reset and we start again? Are we going to see Mac Mason? Or are we going to see Will Harrison stay in the, in the driver's seat there at 10? Um, I hope that they don't have a whole raft of changes. I hope they've just gone back to the drawing board with the same group of guys and say, okay, let's look at the deficiencies. Let's look at what the um, style of the team's coming uh, is going to be and, and make sure we prepare well. If, if they go and run a whole lot of first phase, sorry, first man phase ball at Marnus Skirman and just feed him rucks to, to turn over the ball, then they've learned nothing. Um, that's what the Reds did and they suffered... Uh, when they played them in South Africa, I, I want to see some smarter tactics out of the Waratahs. But I'll be honest, boys, I'm I'm pessimistic. I, I actually think the Lions are probably going to disrupt the Waratahs and and get the win here. Have the um have the Waratahs actually won at Bankwest yet? I don't think so. They lost both Not their games last year. Lost all three last year. Yeah, and so 
I mean, it's almost it's almost going to start becoming a bit of a hoodoo ground for them if they start if they lose this one again. So I do hope that they manage to put it together, but I can't I can't see how they're going to do it. Um, look, I'll say really? this: if if we put guys, if we put Holloway into pessimistic. into the second row, maybe maybe I'll be tempted to take him. Um, I'd like to see Holloway in the second row, Fitzpatrick back to starting, stable up our set piece a little bit more. Um, you had still Angus Bell there starting at loose head, I reckon. Um, HJH for sure. And then HJH on the on the tight head side. And then you had Dempsey and Hooper and um, Swinton in the back row with Simmons. Yeah. Well, it all starts with the Fords. So that's the thing. And that's it. I think it would be unfair to drop Will Harrison as we're kind of talking about. Oh, they shouldn't um, do that. Yeah. Yeah. But look, this is what happens though when coaches get desperate. They search for answers. Um, I didn't see the Waratahs A game. Um, Mac Mason was starting in that. If he if he has had a pretty good showing in that, he does have a decent chance of coming into the team. What you should be doing is having him off the bench if you want to give him some game time. Um, Will Harrison deserves another opportunity, particularly just after the bye. If he falls flat on his face in this one, well, they get the loss. Mm. The season is almost gone at that point, and I think he can start mixing it up. But... You gave Harrison a shot early on in the season. At least give him that. Especially, um, this know, is the, their first yeah, game at exactly. Sydney. Like, their first yeah. home game was in a wet and rainy Newcastle, which is never a good place for Australian teams to play anyway. It's something to be said about moving these games around. And I know it's, a, it's really come down to the fact they don't have a home stadium at the moment, but I don't think it allows them to build any real momentum at home. Um and you're always coming into slightly, I guess, unfamiliar environments. Um, it's not a this is not a real excuse, but I think it does play some sort of part in their performances. And we've seen teams, you know, time and time again, go up to Newcastle and not perform well. So um, let's hope at Bank West. It's a great stadium, um, great spectacle there. If, if you can get there, you're right close to the action, almost better than Allianz. So um, yeah. Let's let's see the crowd get out there, but yeah, it's a it's a bit of a it's a fine balance this one. Waratahs are favourites by the bookies, but you guys are pessimistic. I think they can do it, but they can't afford to put a foot really wrong in this one because the Lions will take advantage. Next game out, we have the Hurricanes hosting the Sunwolves. Um, not in Wellington, but they're out in Napier at McLean Park. Um, Sunwolves obviously disappointing. Last week, um, I'd expect a bit of a better performance out of them. They're obviously not the same team um, on tour, and it's not going to be easy against this Canes team. They're probably looking at a fairly uphill task this week as well. Yeah, I would expect the Hurricanes at home will enjoy a a solid victory here. Um, Still a very good team. Still a a decent set of uh, experienced forwards and backs. Good combinations there. Uh, I, I, I think the Hurricanes will be comfortable at home, even in Napier. And, you know, they're, they're a team that's, you know, they've got to start stringing some wins together. Uh, as, as for where they stand on the ladder, two from three, so not bad. But when you're in, in con- competition with the Crusaders and Chiefs and even now the Blues uh, on the same number of wins, you, you really can't afford to, to drop a game, especially against a touring team. Uh, 
you, where you're going to be forced to catch up again against your opponents that are already ahead. Mm. I really shudder to think if the, the Reds are putting on that many points against the Sunwolves team, if this Hurricanes outfit actually puts out a full-strength squad, full-strength 23, I think it's going to be a demolition. It could be 70, 80 points here. I don't think I don't think you'll see the same um, attempt from the Sunwolves team. I think they'll come out with a bit more fight in this. I don't think they'll like having had what happened to them there. Um, so I, d- I don't think it's going to be um, what was it a couple of years ago when the um, Hurricanes put eighty on them. Um, but yeah, it definitely came to me. This next game is probably the big one. We already mentioned it before: Red Sharks at home at Suncorp. Obviously, the Reds coming off that nice big win. First win of 2020. They get two home games in a row now um, versus the Sharks team that is looking to win three on tour. Yeah, this is this is my game of the round. Um, exciting to see the Reds play a second game at home. Want to see them back it up after a big win. Uh, Sharks, as Toby's already talked about, uh, a, a, maybe a dark horse team. A guy like and Bosch can can make a lot of different things happen. He's very versatile. Uh, injects in all the right times and and still some solid forwards even though they've they've lost some big names from last year or some some experienced names so uh, this one I think is is the Reds opportunity to show that it's not just home track bullies against the weaker sides the Sharks looking to string the string the tour wins together the Reds have got to shut them out and this is one of the matchups that could we could see later in the season uh, come finals time two teams could be contesting in a wild card or a, a knockout play. You, you want to have the history on these teams. So let's win this one at home. Uh, I'll, I'll take the Reds in this one. Yeah, I think the Sharks just, like, they've shown what they can do on tour, and I've, I've already spoken about that. I think the Reds, same way. I think they could have easily picked up, um, you know, one or two wins from their tour. They were a bit unlucky uh, really strong showings against the Brumbies, the Lions, and then the Jags. So that's why I didn't really see the result against the Summers as too much of a surprise because they have shown glimpses already in in this season that they have progressed. Um, they'll need to continue to improve, and I think that's the main thing. As long as they're not kind of getting too ahead of themselves, and I think Liam Wright was speaking about that earlier this week that, you know, they... This is one win. They're not happy with where they are. They want to keep improving and they don't want to be back in the loser's circle because they know the Sharks are a quality outfit. So I think with that mentality, guys bring the level of intensity that they did last last week. I think that they'll be in pretty good shape. So I'm happy to take the Reds in this one, probably by a pretty narrow margin. But Sharks, look, they're going to bring some entertainment. They can score points. So the Reds will need to do the same thing. They'll need to put some tries on again. Just quietly, though, I rate Liam Wright as a captain, like how he speaks, how he plays on the field. Like, I think he's a really good leader for that forward pack um, up there in the Reds. Yeah. Um, mullet and all, like, yeah, <laughs> very much liking what I'm saying. Well, it's particularly how young he is. Like, he, I remember him being interviewed a couple of years ago when he was on the Wallabies fringe and... Um, you know, he was a bit more awkward, but now he, he really seems to be taking ownership of that role. Um, and I think it's, it is a really good sign because they do need a guy that's going to willing to stand up amongst 
a whole group of young guys in that team and someone for the future. Yeah. Um, he's really showing a lot of quality about him and he's consistent in his performances. Mm. I mean, I think the keys for the Reds here are managing to make sure they still make metres despite this rush defence that the Sharks put out every week. Um, I think it's good, like, makes me think it's good that O'Connor's sort of sitting in that 10 role so well because he's probably a guy that won't be two-faced with that rushing up, whereas someone like maybe um, Hamish Stewart, Stewart, Isaac Lucas might get a bit rattled by that. But it'll be about turning those big forwards around, um, making them run a bit more, and using your big men up the centre to... Just, just control the ball and, and tire out those big men. Make them lo- make lots of tackles. Um, so when it comes to the time that they have the ball, um, they aren't quite as dynamic. Um, it's always going to be tough, especially stopping their back three of the Sharks. Mapimpi um, is just looked uh, immense in the last couple of weeks, as well as Apolele Farsi. Um, they're just very dynamic. So be be a tough shout for the Reds here, but... Um, you'd think at home at Suncorp, um, coming off the back of that, they'll, they'll be hungry for a, another four points for a win. Uh, next game, and we're going back over um, to the Stormers in Cape Town, and they host the Blues. Obviously, the Blues getting that last-minute win against the Bulls. Um, tougher opposition down there in Cape Town, but um, Blues showing that they they aren't still the sort of cellar dwellers they've been in the last couple of years. They They do have some promise here. Look, I think the thing about the Blues is when people stop talking about them, they tend to perform maybe a little bit better under less pressure. Um, they're still yet to be with Bowden playing in their in their lineup, but um, you know to beat a Bulls team up in at Loftus is a pretty good achievement. I just think the Stormers will will be probably a bridge too far on this one. Stormers, I think, will just outplay them tactically um, and probably through the forwards. So. Looking for the Stormers to continue their undefeated run, and I'll be taking them. Yeah, I'll be the same. The Stormers are a, a disciplined outfit. They won't have the same cracks that, uh, that, the, that the Bulls currently have. And while the Blues are a good attacking, dynamic team, uh, I, I think it's just the combination of a, a real top-tier defensive structured team should be able to hold out uh, the, the variations of the Blues and... and just so long as they put their own points on, the Blues tend to crack and start playing a little bit more frantically later in the game if things aren't going their way. Be another war of attrition early. The Stormers will hold them out, and then I see them putting the points on later in the game. It is weird to me that the Stormers are the only undefeated team. Like, they don't seem... Like, I look at this and think, oh, this could be close. But I guess you go through who the Stormers have, and the way they play, you're right, is very structured. And especially if the Blues put out Harry Plummer at 12 and have Jamie Roberts running at him um, for yeah. a couple of phases, like, yeah, you, you don't think they can sort of stand up to that. They're just very patient, and I don't think their style is to pile on as many points as possible as fast as possible. I've criticised Australian teams in the past who look like they were trying to turn every phase from, from phase one into a, a breakout try-scoring opportunity. And the Stormers don't strike me as having that personality at all. They're, they're, they're weighing up their opposition. They're doing enough to, to pin them back. And then they're just a bit more uh, surgical. Like, okay, now we're going we're gonna to play this set piece up. Or they just bide their time. You know, you don't have to... You have to get your three tries 
uh, more than your opposition to get your bonus point. But ultimately, if you're winning, you're going to be up the top at the end of the season. So they're not trying too hard throughout the game. They're just a, a much more measured team uh, who, who are just sort of weighing up each opponent on their merits. And the final game of the round, the Bulls hosting the Haguaras. Um And obviously the Bulls still no wins in this competition. Is anyone not taking the Haguaras here? No, Jags all the way. Yeah, I'd, I'd be on the Hags in this one. Lovely, yeah. And I um, expect them to put a fair few points here on for this. Um, before we go, we will mention the Super W is going on. We did mention it briefly last week uh, with the Waratahs being the only New South Wales team that um, is respectable to talk about. Um, they didn't play this week. Uh, they had the bye. But we had um, Queensland putting uh, a nice 80 points onto the Western Force, 80 points to five. Um, while the Rebels, the team that still hasn't won a game in this competition, um, put up a fair fight and really came close against a Brumbies team that's been quite strong, but that was 25-22. So a lot of improvement coming out of that Rebels team as well. Um, so that's really good to see out of that. Um, coming up in round three, um, we have the Waratahs hosting the Brumbies and Queensland hosting the Rebels there. So um, would still expect, uh, as we've seen in the past, New South Wales and the um, Queensland being the, the front runners there. doesn't look like it's going to change too much. Yeah. No, they've got the they've got the core of the um, the representatives in those sides. Uh, I think it's um, is it Hodder now plays fullback for the Reds, where she used to play over in the West. Emily Hodder, she was yeah, the that's right, yeah. She, she, was, she the... was the really talented, small yeah. frame, but very quick, very agile, and and you know they're just adding talent into those those two powerhouse teams with with acquisitions like that. So yeah, Queensland strong around Waratahs women. Keep the pride up for us. Uh, You're all we've got. (laughs) So that's about all from us this week. Boys, another exciting weekend of rugby coming coming your way. Um, I don't even know who we're going to deep dive into next week. Um, Red Sharks. Red Sharks. Leo's calling it early. Um, It's probably going to be the most exciting game there. Uh, So we'll see how we go. Um, make sure that you have pressed that little subscribe button, whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, let your friends know about us and chuck us a five-star review. Otherwise, follow us on all the social medias, Twitter and at Instagram or on Facebook. Um, you'll see a few other things pop up there um, throughout the week and you can do our voting um, on who you think's going to win these rounds uh, coming out on Fridays and Saturdays. But, boys... Thanks for stopping on in. Obviously, a bit bit happier week. Um, hopefully, we have a couple more Australian wins to talk about uh, next week. Absolutely. Can't wait. Let's go, Tars. <laughs> Come on. Get off the bottom of the table. <laughs> Come on, Tars. I need it. All right, everyone. Keep on running. Any new Gibson. Run. <laughs> you turn that steaming pile into a decent team. <laughs> <laughs>